Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. Oh my goodness, that voice is like butter. I miss it so much. I'm Adam Hawkins, and today I'm here with the real host, Elizabeth, and I'm so excited (laughs) to get the band back together. Adam Griffin is our guest today. Uh, and you know what? I think just honorary co-host, co-host Emeritus. Oh. Co-host um, Emeritus. <laughs> he, he has a podcast and a book about family discipleship, something that's been near and dear to his heart for a long time and something that, uh, honestly, I look up to him and um, think he's got a wonderful family and he's gifted and thought deeply about this topic. And so I'm really excited. I'm excited to introduce you to those resources. And uh, today we get to chat with him about what healthy spiritual leadership in the home looks like. Well, let's catch up. Let's do this thing. Adam, how have you been? Wow, man. I miss you guys. I miss both of you miss very, you. very much. Miss it's my first too. time back in the room with the two of you guys in a long time, because even... The last episodes we got to do together for a while were not in person. So yeah, this is right. really great to be oh in the same gosh, room. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been way too long, but it's great to see both of you. But how have I been? I've been good. I've been pastoring and parenting and doing all the things that stress out people my age and uh, not exercising enough. What do you want to talk about? Any of those the things sounds great. Sure. Okay, let's, 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 <laughs> let's pivot here. Let's talk about my weight loss plans. <laughs> what are you doing, Adam? Uh, not enough. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> let's talk about eating when it's too much. <laughs> well, Adam, you've been in ministry a long time. You've come from the education field. You've been a student pastor. Like You've had a lot of different roles. Yeah. And so can you just let the people know, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, yeah, I think the Lord gave me a passion for investing in teenagers even when I was just out of high school. In college, I started doing a lot of uh, student ministry stuff. I thought I was going to be a teacher, honestly, Elizabeth, walk in your shoes and teach the Bible to, to teenagers. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then when I was in college, I discovered that there was a major called student ministry where you could teach kids and not have to grade any papers. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the dream come true. I'm going to order pizza and play kickball. And then I found out that student ministry is also like counseling people through the stuff that you guys talk about on all your episodes, whether it's like sexuality or or it's uh, suicidal thoughts or it's theology. Now, student ministry became a really heavy but still important thing to me. And so I spent a lot of time just investing in discipleship. How do I disciple young men? How do I disciple young women? And that led to a short career in public education where I was kind of doing a student ministry-esque role in public ed and then went right back to ministry and ended up at the Village Church with y'all and got to lead out in family ministry. And it kind of brought all my passions together. When I became a parent, I saw how discipleship that I'd been doing in the church really translated to my home. And then uh, I, I got to lead out in a lot of the skills I felt like the Lord had given me over the years to, to speak into different difficult situations, whether it was w- with my own kids or other people's kids or teenagers. And I'm really grateful for where the Lord's brought me now, which is getting to speak into those things. I don't, I don't, I always say I suffer from a sinful lack of ambition. Like I didn't pursue being on Culture Matters. Adam and I got asked to do that, which was right. really gracious. We didn't, I didn't pursue uh, the jobs I got at the village. I got asked to apply for them. I didn't pursue writing a book on family discipleship. It was a request. And man, I was really honored to do every step of it along the way. Uh, but I, I suffer kind of like the guy 
in the parable that Jesus talks about, the man with one talent, I really feel like a one-talented man who typically uh, feels more comfortable saying, if I did less, I could feel happier because then I don't have to risk anything. And yet the Lord's kind of pushed me into some very public spheres where I'm writing things or speaking on things. And uh, for a people pleaser, it feels very vulnerable, like uh, like I'm just out there. But now I'm getting to pastor a church, parent my kids, uh, be a husband to my wife, and get to speak a lot on family discipleship. It's interesting that you wanted to be an educator and you kind of knew that early on. I'm this might be too personal, but did you come from a home where from educators was there something about your home in particular like what do you think ignited that spark? Was it just God in you or No, I think there was uh, well certainly God was guiding my path. I had some incredible teachers when I was in high school. Yeah. And when I saw them do the things they were doing, I thought that's that's what I want to do. I also think probably I was underexposed to a lot of other careers. I didn't really know a lot of the options out there. Sure. And I was pretty slacker. So I was <laughs> like, well, what do I want to do? I don't know. I guess I'll stay in high school, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> summer's <laughs> keep, off. Yeah, summer's <laughs> off would be awesome. I don't need money anyway, you know? Uh, so I had some really influential people in my life, and I just always thought, man, I'd like to be influential in somebody else's life yeah. for the sake of the gospel. and. I'm not pursuing a, a platform or anything, and, and teachers are people that get to do that and really be kind of conscience-free of saying, I'm investing in other people yeah. and, and not to be made much of. Yeah. You've taken that same attitude, though, and you've applied that to the pastorate. And so just, uh, you know, wanting to honor you and saying, you know, you are a teacher and you're such a good teacher and and not not just to students, but you've been that to me and you've been that to others. And uh, it's so amazing to see from afar and sometimes close up. So you lead your congregation. So Well, that's very kind, yeah, Adam. You've you always do. been a really good encouragement to me. I don't know if you remember, but my last kind of day at the village, I do. you you kind of uh, had a coup I did. where you, you uh, had a public phone call to me in front of the whole staff I to did. just <laughs> encourage me. I was so, I was grateful for it. I had already left and I was yeah. like, all right, I'm done with this place. And you call, literally called me back and said, in hey, Adam, like in front of everybody, I just want to tell you a couple things. Yeah. And it was, it was so kind. It was really, it was very kind. Well, you've written a book, Adam. Oh my God. I did. You I did. wrote You a, wrote a book? I co-wrote uh, a book. Let's be fair. Matt Chandler wrote it. You did some paragraphs yes, or something. And I'm, they put your name in real Matt, small print. Matt's my ghostwriter. That's <laughs> my... <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> you and Matt Chandler wrote a yeah. book together yeah. called Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones. You mentioned how you got invited to be a part of this project. Um, but as you were writing, what was your hope for it? Mm. Like, are there yeah. things in the church, things in the culture that were going on where you're like, I've got to put this message out because people need to hear this? Totally. It was it was work we were already doing at the village. So that's why, that's how it happened was Crossway was kind of asking, what are you guys doing that might be worth uh, publishing? And I, I felt really uh, strongly that this would be something that would help people because in, in churches, I think this will connect with people, in churches, if you got engaged to somebody and they said, hey, you should do some premarital counseling, no one would blink an eye. You'd be like, yeah, that's totally normal. It's not saying something's wrong with you. They would just say, yeah, it's an important change in your life. Let's do some premarital counseling. In fact, most Christian couples would invite that anyway. They just think, let's go get it. Uh, but when you become a parent in the Christian church, when you get pregnant or you find out you're going to adopt a child, there's no similar tradition to say, you know what, you should probably talk to somebody in your church about whether you're prepared for that, how to prepare for that, what questions you should be asking. And we happen to think that spiritual leadership in your home is really important. Similar to the way we think about being a good husband, being a good wife, is what is the call in the parent's life to be a spiritual leader? 
And while there are a ton of resources out there that to to help you do it, like a storybook Bible or an album or a um, a study Bible or a, a f- even fiction and, and music, all kinds of things, there wasn't a resource out there that we could point to and say, hey, this is what you should pick up if you want to think about how do me and my spouse or me as a single parent and my community get on the same page with how I'm going to spiritually lead my home. And since we at The Village had kind of come up with a framework for how that would uh, help shape what it looks like in your own home, regardless of what your kids look like, their disabilities or ages. We felt like this resource could really help families think through that, whether you're a brand new parent or you're brand new to Christianity, or you just wanted to think about how can I spiritually lead my home better? What was the writing process like for you? Oh, Elizabeth, (laughs) you know how it is. (laughs) And some of it, they're like, oh, what an honor. And some of you are like, what a drag. This is hard. I got deadlines and things. So I... I honestly loved it. You know, it was a collaborative book. Matt and I working on it together. So the us doing things together was super fun. Being mm-hmm. able to talk through what do we want to do and what does this look like in your home? What does it look like in the the Griffin home, the Chandler home? Those things were really fun. Uh, the the kind of late night slogs of like editing after you feel like you're done with something and and uh, a publisher coming back and saying, hey, what do you think about this? And Honestly, the, the the cover choosing the cover was a hard process for me too because it yeah. feels like so important. Yeah, I don't know if you had that at all, Elizabeth. Oh, definitely. But I'm like, this is gonna define what it looks like, and people judge a book by the cover. And they do. Yeah. Uh, so I I enjoyed probably 98 percent of the process because okay. it's a passion project for yeah. me, and I had spent so much time thinking about it already that I I was eager to do it and and loved it, but. I think um, having deadlines was important. Uh, having uh, a collaborator was really important, and then having something I was passionate about made it made it easier. But the process for me was was fun. Okay, that's great. Yeah, when you're able to write about something that's kind of already been stirring in you, the words just come out easier. It's still difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's easier than it would be, I think, if it was a brand new topic. Yeah. I don't know if you ever did this when you were writing Embrace Your Life. If you started like looking up how many words equals how many pages. So you're going like, is this, did I just write a pamphlet or is this, am I writing a, (laughs) is this thing a a dictionary? Like how big is this thing are we talking about? How large is the print? Did you have any of those moments? Oh yeah. I was like, okay, I told him I'd do this many words Yeah, and this many words equals this many pages. (laughs) Okay. I'll be like, okay, Elizabeth, just gotta keep going. Just keep going. You got more in you. Fight for it. Yeah, totally. but I loved it. Yeah. Me Adam, too. how's your book coming? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you write a comic book? Totally. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's about me as a baby, it's oddly enough, embracing my life. So it kind of takes wow, all the concepts. It Does it have a picture of a baby jumping over like a, mm-hmm. a sliced but open log? But, but my head, this size. Oh, it's okay. your head. Super strange. Okay, that's interesting. Science fiction? Okay. Um, So a couple things. The first thing I just want to ask is if you were going to give a summary. You know, you talk about this idea of time, moments, milestones. If you're going to get a summary of what the book is trying to capture, I think you talked about it a little bit with discipleship, but I'm sure there's a specific uh, thrust, right, an argument in the book to, to a degree. And so if if you could summarize that, what would it be? For Time, Moments, and Milestones? Well, just in general, your book, what's it aiming for? What's it yeah. driving towards? Well, I think uh, what we want people to see is that family discipleship is is critically important, that it's something that every Christian should be considering and putting a lot of energy into. Right. More Like, we, we would never uh, tell our kids, we're not going to feed them, we're not going to clothe them, we're not going to shelter them, we're not going to educate them. 
Uh, but we would have tons of Christian families would be like, we're not going to put much time though into their spiritual leadership. Sure. You know, and this is way more important than those things. We would never as a family say, you know what, don't worry about math. You'll probably get enough math just by watching your mom and I, you know, or don't worry about history. You'll get enough just by watching sports, you know. But we, for some reason, would say, hey, your spiritual life, you'll probably pick up enough from being in our Christian home, going to church, things like that. This is so much more important than any of those things. So we want people to see it's critically important because the Lord asked us to do it, because we're talking about an immortal soul. And then we also want people to see that it's mostly ordinary, that it's it's very achievable to try to invest in the spiritual life in your kids. It's not that the quality of parenting will save your child. If that was true, no kid would be saved. Right. But we do want people to see like the ordinary everyday stuff is very achievable for the Christian parent. It should be normal for my kids to see me open a Bible or me read a Bible with them. It should be normal for a Christian family to pray together. It should be normal for us to go to church together. It shouldn't be like, wait, why are we talking about the Bible if we have parents who are claiming Christ? You know, this is such, I was going to wait to get there, but I just, I'm so thankful you wrote this book because that what you just said in the end there the, about the ordinary, not just saying it's important, but also kind of saying it's actually achievable, guys. Yeah. And it's and it, it's not rocket science or, you know, in a sense, it, you give a very clear path. I know that being uh, most parents can say this, but I'll just speak for myself so often um, just trying to keep them alive. Uh, you know, just trying to be a good dad, whatever that means, can feel overwhelming. You know, any parent knows you lose your temper, you mess up, you thought you were going to be, I thought I was going to be fun dad, and oftentimes (laughs) I'm tired dad. I thought I was going to be, have skills to pass on to them, and then I realized I I just think about things a lot. Like, I'm not like a building kind of guy, so it's not like I'm like, come in the backyard, let me show you how to be a man. I just like think a lot. That's my skill. (laughs) So I don't really have anything transferable to give. And then this idea of what you just said, which is you have to think intentionally about, you know, uh, uh, being the spiritual leader and discipling your kids, and it's it can be overwhelming quickly. Yeah. And in your book, you show that it doesn't have to be. So I, I'm wondering, you know, given the pressure of being a parent in the first place, and it is a joy, please, we know this too, it's a joy, but given the pressure of that, what, where do we start? What do you think the starting place is? Yeah, well, I, the starting place, I think, is with your own spiritual life as a parent. That's like, great. if you're not personally following Jesus Christ, then how are you planning to give your kids what you don't have? So being a genuine uh, follower of Christ and then recognizing that being a genuine follower of Christ means you're going to make mistakes and repent. So it starts with owning the fact that you're not perfect. And this is a really important uh, point because you're sometimes parents are tempted to kind of hide their mistakes from their kids or, or from each other. And what you're doing then is not giving your kid an accurate picture of what it looks like to be a believer Mm. because your kid's going to grow up to be an imperfect man or woman. Right. And so if they grow up thinking like, well, my mom and dad never had to apologize or they never did apologize or they were hypocrites because they never repented. That's not what we're trying to model. We're trying to model genuine Christianity, which is somebody who is repentant when we make mistakes. So good. And so it starts with your own faith and recognizing your own mistakes and then carrying those things through. So if somebody as a parent is going, well, I don't really have a walk with the Lord, then I say, well, start there. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be 
a theologian. You don't have to be an Elizabeth Woodson in order to be somebody who can invest spiritually in the lives of other people. You can be one step ahead of your kids. You can say, hey, let's read this together right. and say, what do you guys think? Or if uh, if this is true, what does this change about us? Or uh, let's ask, uh, what do you guys want um, God to change? Let's ask him to change those things or uh, repeat these prayers after me. Or some of the resources that are out there are basically like, just read this page, ask these questions. The answers are in there. Let's, let's do it. It doesn't have to be super complicated. So starting with a little bit of effort, but also having a genuine walk yourself. Mm. Oftentimes I'll meet with people and... They just tell me their story about their faith and how they came to know the Lord. And I love the times where they talk about how it was just their parent modeling for them what it meant to follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a woman and she just gets up every morning at the same time, sits in the same place and is reading her Bible. And she said, I wanted my kids to know that this was normal yeah. and this was ordinary. And so I have just intentionally made this decision for years and just how much of an impact that has upon people when they remember growing up. And this is where I found my father or my mother, or this is what we did as a family yeah. and just the ordinary moments. But also because it's ordinary means I don't have to get it right every day. Yeah. And it, if I get it wrong one day, it doesn't mean that everything goes to waste. Yeah. Tomorrow's a new morning with new mercies. Um, but before you were talking about, Adam, of just the need for us to, or for y'all, because I don't have kids, um, <laughs> for <laughs> parents to be able to be intentional because in some sense, discipleship is not this place of neutrality. Kids are being formed mm-hmm. by voices and influences. That's right. And so, and how do parents go about making sure that their voice is the loudest voice in their kids' lives? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's a, there's a shyness around indoctrination, but that's a word that we need to kind of like re-grab hold of and say, it's okay as a Christian to say, I believe this is true. And since I believe it's true, I'm going to tell my kids it's true. We, we have kind of a, um, a culture that says, hey, you should let your kids figure out for themselves what they believe. But the truth is, everybody else in your culture is telling them what to believe, including the person who says you should figure let them figure it out. You're telling them it's up to them to figure out what's true. No, it, that's so dangerous and so detrimental that we should be preparing our kids not only to know what's true about Jesus Christ, because we believe solidly that is what is true, but to be resilient when it comes to somebody resisting that it's true. I want my kids to be able to say, no, I... I'm not only pretty sure that this is true, I, my parents have prepared me to stand up for this, to have some grounding, some, some, uh, some foundational ideas of apologetic for my faith. And I, I want that to be um, really reasonable for parents. And at the same time, what you brought up about uh, those kids kind of seeing that every day in their parents, I don't, I don't want a parent to feel this pressure to say, um, my kid's salvation is on me. Mm-hmm. Many of us are going to face very resistant kids. Many of us are going to face prodigal children. that are gonna, It's going to be heartbreaking. And I don't want to set an example just so they could see something. I, mean, I want it to be genuine. I, I, we're going to have to trust the Lord with our own kids. Our kids are going to be uh, have their own faith walk and... I mean, literally today, Elizabeth, I was, uh, now I'm, I'm extra tired today and stressed, so maybe this is unusual, but I was crying today just thinking about, gosh, what if, what if all the investment in my kids, the Lord doesn't save them? And mm. how crushing that would be for them, for me, you know, and, and for them. But um, I, I love my kids so much, mm-hmm. and I want nothing more than for them to follow Christ. But I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to do my best to kind of like lay around them all the, the kindling that I want the Lord to light on fire, that I want to plant the seeds of the gospel over and over again and pray that their heart is good soil, that the Lord might do the growing part. I can water, I can plant, but only God can give growth. And so 
That's what I'm asking for. That's what we're aiming for is just trusting the Lord with my kids, but I'm doing what He's commanded me to do, which is impress these things on my children. Right. When we walk around the way, when we're, when we're laying down, when we're getting up, we're going to put it on the doorpost, you know, everything the Deuteronomy 6 calls us to yeah, do. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so good. It's such a gift when you meet older saints who have kids, maybe college age and above, and yeah. they all love the Lord, and yeah. they still love their family. I can't tell you how often I pray for that. And I ask those guys, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? Yeah. And oftentimes they're like, it's God, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I just, um, the kind of things they do in part are the kind of things you talk about in your book, though. So I think it's just, part of it is if you love Jesus and your kids see that you love and need Jesus and you are actively sh- showing and telling them that. Yeah. Um, and, and that comes across in the book. One thing I was going to ask in... Uh, was your opinion about something. How important is the local church uh, in this? Because yes, we want to be the loudest voice in our kids' discipleship, but I was reading something interesting recently, and I, oh man, I can't remember where it's from, but it was more towards uh, middle school, high school age kids, and it was mm-hmm. saying one of the most important um, predictors when you look at kids who grow up and love the Lord is that they had another adult outside their home who was influential in their spiritual walk. Yeah. It, it, do you see the local church playing a part? Sure. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, the research that I've read would say that the best predictor of whether or not somebody is growing in their faith as an adult who grew up in the church is one of two things. They either had a parent who modeled it at home well, or they had a significant relationship with another adult right. outside their home. Right. If you have both, man, that's a win. But basically, it, what that research means is uh, your attendance is not a good predictor. Right. How often they were at church, whether or not they went to youth ministry. What's a good predictor is the level of relationship they have with somebody who's a trustworthy adult who's modeling this faith That's for great. them. So one, the church is important to come alongside parents, to equip parents. To Church is the people, right? So it's like the community to be parents, but also to be there in, in a special way for those who are single parenting. Mm. So if it's a mom with a son, to be like, well, how is, how, how is this son growing up to see what a godly man is going to look like? Well, hopefully they're involved in a local church that that mom should feel very welcome, I hope, at her local church to invite some men to That's play great. that role in that child's life. Or or if a child is a spiritual orphan, maybe their parents are not believers. Well, all the more reason that the family of God should be ready to be the family of God to that kid, to say, hey, your parents aren't modeling this, but we're going to help you get there. Or one of the other situations we see a lot is that mom and dad don't agree on how to spiritually raise their kid. And mm. so coming alongside those families can be very trying, very difficult. And of course, there's there's divorces, there's, there's divided homes, there's um, there's blended homes. There's all kinds of families out there that make it difficult uh, to to navigate their own. Everybody has their own version of dysfunction, right? And so right. the church has its own version of dysfunction as well because it's made up of people, but we also follow a perfect God. And so it's in that community of faith that we pursue equipping, that we pursue um, the, 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 uh, the kind of support system that every family needs, but also the accountability that we have. I'll tell you, I've been a, a Christian as long as I can remember. And I have had a hundred accountability partners. Uh, many people ask me about my faith. I have never once in a Christian church had somebody come up to me and say, hey, how, how's it going leading your family spiritually? Mm, mm. It's a question we don't even ask. And yet it's so, so important. People ask about greed. People ask about lust. People ask about anger. People ask about your marriage. People ask about your work. But people don't ask, hey, how's it going leading your kids spiritually? And mm. I, I wonder why, like why in our churches is that abnormal? And if it's just one of those things that's so filled with shame and guilt, like maybe a lot of parents don't feel like they're doing a good job, right. and so they don't want to bring it up. But it should be something that if we're not doing a good job, we should be even more 
encouraged to bring it to the surface and say, hey, here's where I'm struggling. Can you equip me in this? Can you speak to me in this? We we received a ton of wisdom from people that had gone before us in parenting, people who had older kids than us, and, and that was in the local church. You said something that I want to key in on there, and that's that idea of shame and parents messing up. And I wonder if um, we don't really even know what the mistakes are. In other words, I you talked about divorce and these things, and I, I wonder if parents feel like, gosh, I'm messing it up so bad with those kind of things. But I wonder if that's actually the thing that messes it up. And so if you were to talk Mm. about mistakes you've made or mistakes you've seen people make when it comes to trying to disciple their kids, what's one or two that you could key in on? Uh, Yeah, mistakes people make, I think, thinking that they are incapable of doing what the Lord has asked them to do, that maybe uh, they don't believe that the kid gave, that God gave them this kid for a reason, that God chose them to be the parent here. And it's not, God's going, gosh, I wish that kid had been born into a different family. Right, right. And I think shame and guilt is a big anti-motivator, right? It's like, well, I'm not going to do that because, gosh, I feel so bad that I didn't do it better, or I can't do it at all, or I didn't do that when I was a kid, or I don't know how it's done. And shame and guilt is something that is not from the Lord. That is something to be addressed head on to say, if shame and guilt is the reason I'm not doing something, then I have two issues I want to face. One, uh, how can I experience freedom in Christ? Because Christ came to set me free, not to burden me with how bad I am, but rather set me free from the sin even that I've walked in. And then that, that, that freedom that also set me free from that, uh, not just that shame, but freedom to put in effort, knowing that it's not because of my effort that I'm saved or my kid is saved, that should set me free to, in grace, I'm going to give this my best. And I think uh, you can, most parents don't realize you can actually do a lot more than you think you can when it comes to this area of your life. It's not as complicated as we make it in our heads to spiritually lead somebody. Okay. What I love about this book and, and you being the person that got to co-author it mm-hmm. um, is that you're living it. And mm. so when it comes to the Griffin household, what are the rhythms and practices that you and your wife are going through with your children on a daily basis to yeah. lead them spiritually? Oh, there's uh, it, it'd be a long conversation to go through everything because we're trying to do a lot. Uh, my kids don't go to bed at night without us reading the Bible, without us praying, without us singing. It's the most normal thing we do. If uh, mm. somebody tries to put them in bed, and um, without doing that, they'd be like, hey, aren't we going to read the Bible first? That's normal. Like, we make it so normal that if people are over at our house and it's bedtime, we invite the people at our house into it instead of saying, hey, we're not going to do it tonight because we have people over. No, we say, hey, even if they're not a believer, we'd say, hey, there's one thing our family does every night is we read the Bible together, we pray and we sing. So let's, let's do that together. So it's a super normal thing. Uh, we also try to just disciple in the moments we have, whether it's in discipline or whether it's in uh, the car ride to school. We always pray as we're dropping our kids off at school. I pray for them uh, when we pick them up. We're constantly praying with and for our kids. At mealtimes, we pray. And then milestones is the other thing we talk a lot about is on a regular basis, we kind of have these milestones planned. I just did a, a, a birthday trip for my 10-year-old where I took him, uh, just he and I went uh to a broken boat and we went hiking mm. and we rode horses and we did kind of like guy stuff. We went and got steaks, but it was also just a time to spiritually invest in him. We had another in a long series of talks we're having about human sexuality, about marriage, about being um, uh, what it means to be a man and a woman in our culture. We actually had a long talk about words, like about what words he might have already heard, what words he mm. might not have heard, mm-hmm. and why Griffins don't use those words. And they were words for people. You know, all, all kinds of words. Here's words we don't ever use for men or women, but particularly women. Here's words we don't use for people with disabilities. Here's words we don't use for people of different races. Here's, I want him to know that, like, I'm the authority on, on words. You're going to hear these on the playground. You're going to mm-hmm. hear these other places. 
But these cuss words, your dad already knows them. And so if you hear them, you can come and talk to me about them. And yeah. so we kind of like are ushering him into adulthood by inviting him into knowledge. Like here's things that adults know that you don't know mm-hmm. and doing the same thing spiritually. And so it's a lot of those. That's why we use the framework time moments and milestones is we have this appointed time. We, we go to church every week. We read the Bible every night. We have moments where we're taking uh, advantage of uh, moments of discipline or moments of uh, high emotion. And then we have milestones, really significant things like birthdays, holidays, and trips we take. Mm. Here's what I, I mean, I, I love everything that you just said, you know, but I love how you are not kind of skirting around the big issues of the day, yeah. but just beating everybody else there, yeah. you know? Mm. And so I just think about an earlier generation where you just didn't talk about anything. Right, yeah. right. Like, if we don't talk about it, nothing will happen. Right. It's like, no, like you said before, we need to help our children understand what truth is, and yep. we need to tell them instead of waiting for them to figure it out and maybe talk to us about it. Absolutely. I think a, a big aspect of family discipleship, we can boil down a lot of it. What makes it better is if you can develop a relationship with your kid where they feel safe to talk to you about things that make them uncomfortable or maybe make you uncomfortable. I'll tell you what, I was more nervous than my son was in a lot of conversations I'm having about sex and about marriage and about dirty words. Like, I'm coming in nervous, and he's like, he's a glutton for information. He's like, oh, okay, that's what that means? Oh, I heard that on the playground. Oh, okay. You know, like, he's he's not nervous. He's thinking, we have a great relationship. now. As, and how old how old is your son when you're having this He's 10 right yeah, now. Yeah. Now, when he becomes a teenager, things might become different. But right. I'm... The work I'm, the groundwork I'm doing right now is to have a relationship where it's safe to talk to dad about anything you want, buddy. And that, I may not know everything, but I'm not going to be upset at you if we can talk through these things. That's surprisingly, I will say, just to echo some of that, those have been some of my favorite conversations. The discovery of bad words yeah. or... I, you know, I heard about this or sexual things or whatever. I know, like you're saying, it's like you walk into it like I did, like, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to say, or I'm fearful. Even some of the theological things they'll ask that are like, I'm like, well, there's many answers. <laughs> but, you, know, you, you think <laughs> I, about you're going to do, but they end up being really fun conversations yeah. because what you, like you said, they actually trust you, you yeah. know, and you realize you have this opportunity to just be like a real human being with them. Yeah. And it's so sweet, man. Well, it think really about is. the work that you guys do on this podcast to help people have conversations about really important stuff. Sure. I think about those same topics. What's an age appropriate version right. of it for my kids so that they're never growing up going like, oh, I, I kind of remember something happening in Ukraine, but we never talked about it. Right. We're going, no, let's talk about it. I remember there being like some incidents of like racial tension in the country, but I know just what I caught at school and what other, no, my parents talk through it with me. Right. When things are happening internationally, when they're happening locally, when they're happening in our own hearts, or when they're happening culturally, I want to address them. And I want to yeah. explain, hey, we're not going to watch that movie because I don't believe it honors the Lord, and here's why. Right. And we're not going to read that book. It doesn't honor the Lord. Here's why. Here's why we're going to pursue the things we we pursue and why we're going to avoid the things we want to avoid. We talk about it as like a, a balance of missionary and monk. Like a monk is a person who draws out of culture mm-hmm. in order to be with the Lord, and a missionary is somebody who like presses into culture to be with the Lord. And we have a balance of both. That's In great. some things, our family is going to be a monk. Hey, we're not even going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Right. In a lot of things, we're going to be a missionary. How do we enter into that conversation culturally so that we can be a light in a very dark place? And I, I imagine as they grow older, and neither of us have old, like I'm thinking 16, 17-year-old kids, right. but it, there needs to be some level of intellectual freedom to explore. Like as they're younger, I feel like maybe the there's 
when you say age appropriate, I'm just trying to forecast and think, because some some of our listeners might have older kids and it's like, you know, at one level it might be like, hey, bud, not yet. Or you might be thinking that in your head. But if they come home and say something now or an idea they've come across, um, you know, it might be appropriate to kind of engage that on a thin level. But as they get older, there are concepts and ideas Mm -hmm. and things that they probably need to be free to dialogue about. And hopefully you've built the trust up to where, you know, and you've developed the muscles when they're young to have some uncomfortable conversations. So that when they come home and they say, dad, you know, I have this friend and he said this and I, you know, I'm not sure what to think. You're not like, that's wrong. And that's it, you know? And then that's like, I had a conversation with a teenage girl this last summer who was struggling through her, her kind of gender identity. Sure. And I asked her because I'm not her mom or her dad. I said, what's well, what's the conversation you have with your parents? And she said, my mom said not to talk about it and that the Bible says anything with that is wrong. And so just don't bring it up. And I was like, oh, this poor girl is like feeling like now she has to process this feeling on her own. Right. Culture's very loud about it. And now her home is told, she's been told it's not an okay place to discuss. Right. And so I get how parents can feel uncomfortable with a lot of topics. And while I don't have teenage kids, I've worked with a ton of teenagers. I've had a lot of these talks with parents and for parents. And not that that makes me a parent of teenagers. Every teenager is different. But I'm telling you, every age kid, whether we're talking about our age, we need to be able to have conversations where we talk through issues, bring it to the Bible, which is our authority, and say, what has God said about this? And even if my heart desires different, how do I surrender it to what the Lord has said? And kids of all ages need to to have that conversation. I hope parents are feeling more and more encouraged to repent where they've fallen short or haven't had these talks and then feel equipped to go and and, and facilitate them. Well, Adam... If people want to hear from you, that it doesn't start and stop with the book. That you have a podcast, the Family Discipleship Podcast, hosted by you, your wife, Chelsea, and Cassie Bryant. Yeah. And so what has been some of your favorite parts about being on this podcast and unpacking some of the things that you talk about in the book? Yeah, well... Some of my favorite stuff has been, I'm on there as a learner a lot. It's not dissimilar from when I was on this podcast with y'all. I felt like my main job was if I could get Elizabeth talking and Adam talking, and I get to keep asking questions until we're done. That is the best episode we can it's do. Great. Yeah. People I just miss want that, your, I bet they do. <laughs> uh, the people need to hear more of y'all's insights. Mm. Not that you guys don't share them already, but on the Family <laughs> Discipleship podcast, I get to hear from Cassie and Chelsea, who uh, Cassie comes t- from... Um, she's a, a mom of girls and she's a professional. Like she's been in children's ministry for 17 or 18 years. Oh, long, yep. Yeah, so she is really gifted in this, how do we equip church workers? And then my wife, I get to see her do this all the time. She's incredible. She's hilarious. She's brilliant. She knows her Bible backwards and forwards. She's such a gifted teacher. We actually just did a conference together this last week at a church. And as we were leaving the conference, they were like, hey, you did such a good job. Do you think your wife would be interested in coming and doing <laughs> right. a women's retreat? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I walk away and they're like, thanks, Adam. Also, could Chelsea come back? Uh, but the that and then also having our guests, we've had a great group of guests that come on that I've been really surprised by just how much it has convicted me as a parent and as a, as a practitioner who's trying to teach other people how to disciple their families. I have I've gotten to be such a learner in all of this. And so it's benefited my family immensely. It's awesome. Yeah. What was your favorite podcast you guys have done so far? With Culture Matters? No. Oh. 
with family discipleship. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We have one this season with John Tyson, where That's Chelsea and I got cool. to talk through his book on uh, the intentional father. Man, that book is incredible. You know what? We asked him a question about like if you had to do it over again, yeah. what would you do? And it, the intentional father this is this story, if you guys haven't read it, about yeah. how he invests so much time, like every morning right. with his son, they go on trips, they took a year off from school. I mean, it's everything. Yes. And so I said, man, that is intense. I said, if you had to do it over again, what would you have done? He said... I would have been more intense. Wow. He, he said, with an Australian accent, which right. is much better than mine. He's like, I would have done more. I, I think of every TV show we watched and how we could have redeemed that time to do something better. And he just, uh, he kept saying like, parents can do more than they think they can. And Chelsea and I, when we got off that interview, we sat down at our kitchen table and we just cried about like, mm. what are the opportunities we have with our sons and how fleeting the time is. If you think about how much time you actually get as a family concentrated together, it is not an eternity. My, my wife sat down, she made a chart of my kids' ages yeah. and their time left in the home. You know, you don't know with college, but it, assuming they go off to college, their time left in the home, how many sabbaticals we have left. She like charted this whole thing out yeah. and you actually realize how fleeting the time is. It's, yeah. It's really incredible. There's a new book called Habits of the Household. Yes. Justin Whitmill Early wrote it. Yes. We also interviewed him this season and yeah. he walks through that. He does a chart. It's in one of the appendixes. That's what she used it from. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And it's so, I told him, I said, it made me feel one, super old. Right. And two, like I didn't have much time left because you're looking at it and you're going, okay, Okay, in five years, our kids are, you know, we're, we're on our way to empty nesting. That's You're right. Like, oh my gosh, it's man, crazy. the time is so short. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, Adam. One last really important question. Oh, the doozy. What do you like more? Your new podcast? That's a great <laughs> question. Or this one? You know what I miss? Like, I miss you guys. Like... The topics were so helpful. I felt like that culture is matters. Such a cop out. I believe him. <laughs> I believe him too. I'm being serious. Yeah. Like I, I miss you. Man. I love yeah. getting to do the topics that we did and yeah. like learn things. I really did feel like yeah. culture matters challenged me to have to talk about things yeah. that I may not otherwise talk about. That were going on in the news. That were going on in culture, and uh, that's why I love the podcast still. But I miss the relationships of like us three getting to talk on a regular yeah. basis and then mm. learn from you guys. I just don't. I, you know, we don't get together and have these conversations anymore like we did when we had to. Yeah. Know? We had fun. We did. I, I love it. Speaking of fun, I have one last thing for you. Oh. Is this another passive aggressive comment? No. Okay. This is as a former student pastor, it's a game. Okay. It's a rapid fire question you have to answer for of controversial topics for, for family discipleship. Okay. And you have to give unnuanced one word, basically yes or no, you agree or not. Okay. Okay. You ready? Uh, I guess. Okay. Comic book Bibles, good idea or bad? Uh, depends on the age. That's not the answer. Comic oh, okay. book Bibles, good or bad? Bad. Okay. Public or private school? Uh, either. No, 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 no. Public or private school? Or homeschool. Or homeschool. <laughs> uh, either, depending okay. on your kid. Corporal punishment. Every year you get to make <laughs> a decision bad. differently. Depends on the age and the style this of corporal terrible. punishment. This is terrible. Punishment and the tone another hominid species it. in the creation narrative. Real or not real? Wow, we can talk through spontaneous baptism for children. Spontaneous baptism for children, uh, meaning it's a baptism service. They just depends. decide that, that. Okay, is the age of accountability real or not? Sometimes. Okay, that's <laughs> you just ruined the fun of all of that. You threw some questions that are <laughs> that not was fair. Great. 
That was great. We should have yeah, those written down, down for all of our guests who <laughs> just ask the hardest questions. Just try to put them, try to put them in a corner. I love how Adam Griffin I'm looking answers forward to the like a pastor. Right he well, did. it depends. It depends. You have to think about the person. No, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. I want yes or no answers. The only no I gave was comic book Bibles, I know. which I think I can stand behind that. You don't need to have a comic book Bible. I thought the action Bible was super fun to read with my five-year-old. But is it the whole Bible? Yeah. Okay, so that kid, when he grows up, he can go like, oh, let me check out well, Luke chapter no. 12, verse 1. No, not like that. It's okay. more the so stories. I'd say no, then. Did you read your kids? Are we supposed the, to teach the full counsel of Scripture? Did you teach your kids the children's <laughs> storybook Bible? Uh, yeah, for a while. Not anymore? Yeah, of course. I'm not saying their whole life. I'm saying... You didn't get, let me qualify anything. You didn't say terrible. whole life. You said uh, comic book Bible, and I said depends on the age, and you said, that's not fair. That's true. I did do that. <laughs> we love you, dude. I love you guys, too. Thanks for trying to put me in a corner there at the end. <laughs> Adam. Thank you for joining us. This was a great conversation. And even as a single gal with no children, just really encouraging to me about the power of parenting and what good God can do through the ordinary moments as we're intentional to love our kids. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to find Adam's book, Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestones, you can find it anywhere books are sold. And we encourage you to listen to his podcast, The Family Discipleship Podcast, and you can find that on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Culture Matter. This episode was recorded and edited by Chris Staird and produced by Chris Staird and Chelsea Conway. One of the best ways you can help others find our show is to leave us a review. So please take a minute to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Another good way to interact with us is by following us on Instagram and by supporting our patron page at patron.podbean.com backslash culture matters. See you next time.